Hey, thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. I tell you what, the silver level membership is probably your best bet with all the things that you get when you become a, a silver member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you are listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we take on a bloodshot reborn, talk turkey on comics, TV, movies, and more, learn the secrets of the most secretive agents. We walk along and wonder what went wrong and seek the rare and shiny Pokemon. It's all for you, spoilerites. We're doing it all for you. Anybody else hear that strange rumbling noise? I'm not sure what that is, but just watch for Falling Masonry and hope that Gregory Peck figures it all out. Because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 864 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for checking us out this week. We're glad that you're here. If you want to know about Universal Game Systems, if you want to know about what's uh, going on with the uh, the Animal Crossings, if you want to know yeah. uh, what's going on in the worlds of the Pokemons, well, we got more Pokemon talk coming up. But all that stuff we talked about in our Major Spoilers pre-show, which you can get when you go to patreon.com slash major spoilers. I'm uh, going to do news a little different today. We're going to do some hot takes Hot takes on things going forward. Rodrigo Lopez, Disney and Pixar have released new poster art and I think a new trailer for their upcoming uh, fantasy adventure series Onward. What what do yeah. you think about this this Onward thing? Man, am I just not interested in this? I don't <laughs> I don't know what it is, I, but it's like from top to bottom, I'm just like, thank you Pixar for having given us uh, like cars three and the good dinosaur that I actually don't feel compelled to have to go see Pixar movies anymore. I I'm, I'm curious too, because that's kind of my feeling is it is urban fantasy, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it's really, I guess it's really odd. I, I, you know, I like urban fantasy when we play the urban fantasy right. RPG games that we've done on, on critical hit and, and some of our other uh, bonus stuff over at Patreon. But Something about this just doesn't feel right. It's it's kind of like a bunch of people were sitting around and going, you know what's hot right now? It's that uh, critical hit show on on all the podcasts and that critical role show over there on uh, on on the YouTube. We need to get in on this action. Anybody know what an RPG is? No, but it's got goblins and stuff. Let's put it in a real world. Okay, that's kind of what I it mean, feels it, like. It it like the last thing that we got that was like that was bright. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was Pork not cup. good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Matthew, what's your hot take on this? My hot take is that I got confused by the uh, other Tom Holland computer animated movie mm -hmm. where I was just like, wait, is this a different movie? Because the character design is almost exactly the same except for pointy ears and blue skin. Oh, you're talking so about like, the uh, undercover spy or whatever it is? Spies yeah, in Disguise. Spies yeah, in Disguise. Spies in disguise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the one where a Linguini and Frozone go out and have a big adventure. Yeah. But I'm just like, I, I don't have any interest in this and even my kid who you know loves tom holland is like do i want to see that i'm i'm, I'm just i'm super curious about it i'm not trying to poo poo it i'm just trying no. to figure out you know what what is this i mean you know when when they told me that there was going to be an entire animated movie about things that go on inside your mind i was like well this is the end of pixar and then it turns out 
that it was a super good movie. And uh, so I'm going to give Pixar the benefit of the doubt here and say mm-hmm. that this may be the biggest hit that they have coming up because they are hitting that that uh, hotness that is RPGs right now in fantasy. And so I, I think a lot of people are going to go see this, but I'm just trying to figure out is I'm, mm, I'm just a little confused still. Maybe they ran out of things to give feelings to. And they're like, <laughs> what if elves only uh, in America? Yeah. 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 Uh, so here's something that I am personally excited about. Legendary Marvel deck builder gets some new expansions. I'm a huge fan of the legendary uh, board game. Uh, and the millions of expansions that they have released with uh, with the Marvel theme, uh, the new upcoming ones, uh, Legendary Heroes of Asgard, which is all Thor themed. And then they have uh, the Legendary Webheads version, which we've already had one Spider. In fact, I think we've had multiple Spider-Man packs. This is yet another Spider-Man pack for people who cannot get enough Spider-Man in their Legendary deck building games. Um, any of you guys play Legendary? Rodrigo, I think you've played Legendary a couple of times. Yeah, I've played it before. Uh, you excited about this game? You excited about more more Marvel product? I mean, uh, another another example of sort of like this universal system idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to to be able to play this game and be like, I want to play uh, that evil version of Spider Man mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. March two thousand twelve to whenever. I don't, I don't remember exactly yeah. when. <laughs> yeah, you know, Superior Spider Man was out, but you know what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, Matthew, are you into Legendary at all? Uh, it's always the thing where I can't play the weirdo or one-off guys that I want to play, so I can't like play Fat Cobra and Dupe and they, Captain You know Ultra. what? They do have, they did, I don't know if I have this one, they do have an Iron Fist expansion, mm-hmm. but I think it's Luke Cage and Iron Fist. I think it's the um, Defenders um, or whatever. Um, yeah. I think it's that expansion. But it would not surprise me if there is not a Fat Cobra character out there that you could play. Fat Cobra and American Eagle and Dr. Nemesis are going to go out and have adventures. If you can tell me that, I will go buy your legendary deck right now. But here's, here's the I've, thing. I've played it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's okay. I liked it. It was fine. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, Rob and I really like playing it when Rob was hanging around um, here in, in, in town. The problem is you can't really play this game by yourself. Um, it just doesn't work that way. It's better with, with teammates and, and other people to play this game. However, the company, um, Upper Deck has an electronic version of this that you can play on your iPad and I believe on on uh, Android devices as well. Uh, and it's just called Legendary DXP. It's really good. It is, if you are wanting everything in Legendary, uh, but you want to play electronically or you don't want to try to figure out all the maths and stuff and all the, the little rule sets, playing the electronic version is super good. I've been playing it on the uh, Twitch stream that I've been doing on Saturday afternoons. I played it a couple of weeks ago. It's a lot of fun. The only problem is, and I can't figure out why, and I've never really reached out to Upper Deck to find out why, when they originally released the electronic version of Legendary DXP, I think it was we need to test and prove and make sure that this thing is working. So they themed everything high fan- they themed everything high fantasy, right? So the entire game is all high fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. With Marvel licensing everything under the sun for board games right now, in fact, there is a... Uh, cool mini or not has also released a new uh, board game on Kickstarter that is a Marvel game. Uh, I'm I'm just waiting for Upper Deck and the developers who built this game for uh, the electronic side to go to Marvel and say we now want to license all this art and all this stuff for the electronic version. And when that happens, I think you'll see that game explode. But hey, more legendary expansions! I'm always excited about legendary expansions. 
Uh, let's see, what else do we got here? We have uh, the first Amazing Story trailer has dropped. Now, when Matthew and I were, were young lads, uh, <laughs> there was this series that we could watch on, I think it was Sunday nights. Sunday night, yep. It was uh, all spielberg Yeah, all put out by Steven Spielberg. In fact, he directed some of the very first episodes, or at least two of the episodes of Amazing Stories. And they were basically Twilight Zone, but with an upbeat twist instead of a scary, horrible twist. And now, thanks to Apple Plus and all the billions and billions and billions of dollars that Apple has to throw around, they've reached out to Steven Spielberg and said, hey, man, how about you bring the amazing stories back at least for five episodes? And sure enough, that's what we're getting real soon. I don't remember what the release date on this is. But uh, Matthew, you excited about the return of amazing stories? They even got the theme song going. I kind of am. Uh, part of it is the Brian Fuller thing. Yeah, right. I love Dead Like Me. Just love, love, love Dead Like Me. And I, I don't know. It feels like we, you know, we're in an era where they just did a Twilight Zone relaunch boot. Mm-hmm. I saw an episode of it for free. It was pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Black Mirror is a huge thing, but there's a, there's a, I don't know, kind of a cynicism there that I always felt like amazing stories avoided. And I'm really sort of hoping that a reboot of Amazing Stories can also avoid the cynicism and the darkness and, you know, the too much Outer Limits ending. But even if it doesn't, I'm always down for a weird anthology, creepy weirdo show. Yeah, I am too. Rodrigo, did you ever get to see the original Amazing Stories? I mean, I think I might have seen one or two episodes, but I don't really remember anything about it. Okay. Uh, I think it might be worth interesting. Am I not mistaken, Matthew, when you watch that uh, trailer, is Robert mm-hmm. Forster, is this a, is he playing the, the superhero grandpa in this uh, trailer? I'm not sure. Because if he is, he passed away and oh, he is, I'm looking at his IMDb page right now. Uh, he passed away last year. So this is uh, him in a posthumous role, right? I mean, this is him after his wow. passing that we are going to get to see this. Yeah. So now wow. I do want to see it because, you know, he was Captain Holland in the black hole. Yes. 1979's. Uh, exactly. He's also in Jackie Brown. Is a, Tour a of the great force. role in Jackie Brown. So Tour yeah, go check him force. out there. I'm So I'm very excited to see if these amazing stories can capture the um, the magic that had the first one. And I and I'm kind of kind of a little nervous because one of the not only do we get the superhero story with Robert Forster, uh, but there is also something with a World War Two pilot in a plane. And that kind of that's the only thing that kind of triggered me a little bit to go, ooh, I hope they're not dipping back into the well, because one of the most famous Amazing Stories episode was the Mm -hmm. hour long directed by Steven Spielberg about a pilot or about a um, uh, uh, bubble, the belly gunner of a World Mm -hmm. War Two plane that the gears couldn't come down and they couldn't get him out of the bubble. And so he was stuck in there and they were having to land. And if they landed without their gear down, he would be crushed to death. And so through the power of his mind and his artistic skills, he drew cartoon wheels that magically appeared under the belly of the plane and saved everyone, including himself. Um, I've seen that one. Yeah. And I was afraid when I saw that trailer, it's like, oh, man, I hope they are not dipping back into the well with something similar again, because that would be super, super disappointing. It depends. I mean, uh, they did that a time or two when they've redone Twilight Zones. They redo episodes. And uh, if you've Mm -hmm, ever seen a mm -hmm. game of pool. Yeah. Or even, uh, even, uh, what is it? Uh, wish you out to the cornfield. That one's been redone a million times. That, that one actually has not been redone a million times, but they did a, uh, several updates. Yeah. With a grown up, uh, Billy mummy and an Mm -hmm. older Cloris Leachman, but Mm -hmm. they remade a game of pool with the original ending. So instead of black Jack Klugman beating the pool from beyond, Isai Morales loses the pool game from beyond. 
And it was kind of interesting to see them take that. I, if they do, if it is a retake of the mission, I'm hoping they do something new with it or something different to where yeah. we're like, oh, this is a whole new cool take on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure they did a re- I know they did a remake of Kick the Can in and both. Um, Kick uh, the Can was in Twilight Zone the movie, and so was so was Billy in the in the cornfield. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. I hate that that segment so very 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 much i blocked it out of it is so wrong and so bad even kevin mccarthy can't save that thing and kevin mccarthy could save a festering blob of dog snot uh speaking of uh maybe potential hate what do you guys think of marvel just suddenly exploding with all of these x books uh, it worries me. You know that this last X relaunch, I was on board. Yeah, yeah. Powers of X, like, uh, Powers was, of Ten, I, and House I, of X. Right. I was on board for the six issue minis, and then the first issues of the five books or six books came out, and I was like, ooh, wobbly. And by issue three, I had literally dropped all of them except for Marauders. And I think Marauders is on issue six or seven, and I have not read Marauders in the mm-hmm. last couple of months. And I'm just like, maybe I don't. We're getting um, a, a new British X-Men team. We're getting uh, some giant size X-Men uh, volumes in addition to all those other things that you've already yeah. mentioned over the last couple of months. So I didn't know if this was something that should concern you or if it's uh, Marvel leaning into what Marvel does best. And that's X-Men books. And now that they own 20th Century Fox, uh, they can do whatever they want with X-Men again. So now uh, with Ike Perlmutter moving slowly and slowly and more out, out of the scene, they're starting to, to bring back the X-Men full force, which is probably an upcoming X-Men title. Well, I know there's a big crossover supposed to be coming in the first half of 2020. And I'm kind of hoping that it doesn't suck. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see, um, God, what is it? Uh, X-Core. Have you heard about the X-Core? I, I have not heard about the X-Core. The now, X-Core is this was C-O-R-E or like C-O-R-P-S? I, I'm sorry. C-O-R-P-S. Okay, Corpse. Okay, all right. X-Core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Marine Corps. Yes, yes, yes. That's why I had to make sure, because I didn't know if it was the core X-Men or, uh-huh. you know, the Marines of X-Men. Well, you can't core an X-Men. They're not like a pineapple. You could. I mean, Magneto kind of did that to Wolverine. Well, I'll grant you that, but <laughs> that was also a terrible story that everybody pretends never happened. <laughs> Rodrigo, I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are, because not too long ago on Twitter, at Fearsome Critter, uh, you went on <laughs> to a thing about, let me reboot the X-Men. Here's what I would do. Right. So are you, are um, you mean, down on this or what? I I don't know. I don't really stick to kind of uh, superhero stuff as much as I used to. Um, and especially when there's like a huge radiation of, of books that I need to read to get something, it tends to turn me off. So mm. I, if there are 500 X books mm-hmm. and they're not tied together too much that's probably a good thing for me that means that there's probably going to be one out there that i'm actually interested in if there are 500 x books and i have to read all 500 to know what to understand what's happening then definitely not i'm not going anywhere near it Mm, okay i don't really care either way i know we will be reviewing and reading uh house of x and uh, house of x and powers of x uh, later this year on the major spoilers podcast so i'm interested in that i'm always interested in the x-men i find the mutants uh, super, super interesting. My big concern always with everything is oversaturation. And yeah. uh, that that is one thing that I don't want to happen with the X-Men. I would like for them to be their own book and not have to follow, as Rodrigo said, 30 million different different titles. 
uh, in order to get a story. Now, if that means that you're going to have whatever this new uh, British X-Men team, it's not Excalibur that they announced, uh, but if they've got this new British X-Men team running around doing their own thing and it stays its own thing, then that's cool. But if it's like, oh, find out what happens by going over and reading the X-Corps or going in, find out what happens after that in the amazing X-Men, then I'm kind of like, I'm interested in that book simply because it seems to be Betsy, the new Captain Britain leading it. Mm -hmm. And I really want them to, you know, do more with her because uh, she's no longer trapped in the body of another person. She's back in her original alien cyborg mutant body. Yeah. And now she has magical powers from beyond. But I'm just like, I, I want to know more about that. I don't want it to be a standard X book. I want to have, you know, more weird stuff with alien cyborg purple haired mutant girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. Finally, we were talking about Cullen Bunn last week and how much of a necromancer he is and a writing fool. In fact, he's such a writing fool that Valiant Entertainment uh, today announced Shadow Man number one, a new horror uh, series coming from Valiant in May. Good news for Cullen Bunn or is this uh, is he is he maybe leaning too much into his horror stuff? And also, are we seeing some dilution here? Eh, I think we're good. I think that Cullen, uh, especially in a title like Shadow Man, mm-hmm. is kind of playing to his strengths. Yeah. Because Shadow Man is this, you know, weird horror voodoo-in kind of thing going on. And I really have enjoyed previous takes on Shadow Man. Um, you know, my favorite Shadow Man never gets played with, but that's fine. Do you know he fought, he once fought Steven Tyler? Uh, it was a wow. whole thing. Yeah, 1993 was a hell of a drug. But... I'd like to see Shadow Man go weird places, and I think Cullen Bunn is the man to do it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, anytime I see a new Cullen Bunn title being announced, I get really excited because it's like, oh, he knows he understands horror really, really well. And so I can't wait to to see what happens. And so I probably we've we've uh, reviewing um, a valiant title a couple of months ago, and now we're doing a valiant title today. Um, I'll be checking maybe out some more Valiant titles now that I know Colin Bunn is doing some work over there with uh, Shadow Man number one. Rodrigo, any any reactions? Uh, not really. I mean, I like Colin Bunn plenty, uh, but I'm really not familiar with Shadow Man. Like when when I saw this in the show notes, I was like, oh, he's going to do Shadow Man. You know, when Liam Neeson like takes off his face and put on, on a different face. That's Dark I'm like, Man. Yeah, that's Dark Man. That's a different guy. So I'm like, no, I don't know who this is. Yeah. However, right. it would be great to see Cullen Bunn take on Darkman. Yeah, I got excited when I thought that's what was happening. <laughs> uh, now I'm a little bit less excited. Yeah. But only because I'm not familiar with this character. All right. Very cool. Listeners, you can find these stories and more over at Majorspoilers.com. And uh, I hope you enjoyed those hot takes and our quick takes on these. <gasps> Let takes. us do some reviews. All right. In the pre-show, we were talking a little bit about Pokemon Home, and Rodrigo, you've got a, a breakdown here uh, on the yes. new Pokemon Home. What is it? What does it do? Do I need it? How am I going to be able to play my my Squirtles in my uh, 3DS or whatever? Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, if you are like, uh, uh, for example, like Steven, and all of a sudden your kids are talking about Pokemon Home and you have no idea what it is... Um, and you're like, do I need to spend more money on Pokemon? Uh, the answer is maybe not. So, no, Pokemon Home is a cl- okay. Pokemon Home is a cloud service that allows you to move your Pokemon from one platform to another. So it allows you to move your Pokemon from your 3DS, your phone in Pokemon Go, or your Switch um, 
to a central Pokemon hub, which is called Pokemon Home. Um, this service is technically free. It uh, with the the free version has you know gives you thirty boxes for your Pokemon and allows you to move stuff back and forth. Um, but most of the features are behind uh, what is called the premium service. Uh, the premium service is about sixteen bucks a year. So, uh, depending on where you land on on that sort of thing, you might be like sixteen bucks a year. That's actually not that bad. Or sixteen bucks a year—that's preposterous for a cloud to store my Pokemon in. And it kind of depends what you're going to do with it. So um, if you get the premium, so the, the basic subscription uh, allows you to only store 30 Pokemon at a time in a home. So basically, it's mostly a transfer. Yeah, uh, a way station. With the premium, you can, st- st- uh, you can have up to 6,000. So wow. at, at, yeah, it's significantly bigger. Um, and then uh, you can trade multiple Pokemon at a time. You can trade, uh, you can sort of do uh, wonder trades or surprise trades where you just put any Pokemon in and you might get any Pokemon that someone else put into a mystery trade. Um, and then you can use the judge function, uh, which if you are playing Pokemon and you care about making your Pokemon competitive, is super helpful to be able to do. Uh, through home rather than having to bring them into a game where you already have the judge function. Um, and that's kind of the gist of it. But the, the the big thing about it is that you get just so much more space. You can store, really, unless you are just like an absolute, absolutely nuts about Pokemon, um, you can store every Pokemon that you've ever caught on home without too many problems. 6,000 Pokemon is a lot of Pokemon. Um, some important things that you need to know and you need to worry about is that uh, from home, Pokemon Go, uh, basically from uh, Pokemon Bank, which is the 3DS hub, and Pokemon Go, once those make it into Pokemon Home, they can't go back. So this is basically strictly either to store them or to move them forward into the next generation, uh, which would be Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um I think uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu, you can move them onto home and back without problems. But once you move them into Pokemon Sword and Shield, you can move them back. So basically, anything that gets up to one level higher or one level more recent is not going to be able to go back because hmm. there's new information oh, right, that right. needs to you, be coded into it. the yeah. Pokemon that then makes it incompatible with older generations. Ah, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I am not planning on going back to my 3DS games. And in fact, even if I was, this allows me to move all my Pokemon off and kind of start a game over if I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, do that uh, dreaded Nuzlocke run that we mm-hmm. talked about before in some show. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-show, I think. Yeah, in a pre-show. Um, that that would allow me to do that without losing any of my old Pokies, right? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it, uh, so here's the other issue. Uh, I've talked about, a long time ago, I talked about Sword and Shield and how you can't bring every Pokemon 
into Sword and Shield. There's only a limited amount. So right now, you can transfer your Pokemon to home, but uh, really what it comes down to is the majority, really, of them cannot be played with once you're in Pokemon Home. You have to wait until the updates come from Pokemon Sword and Shield to be able to bring those Pokemon down, and that's going to be uh, much, or maybe in four months or something like that is when those are going to start rolling out, uh, from what I understand. So, uh, it's like, this is a this is a good service, and for people that play Pokemon and want to keep moving their Pokemon forward into the next generation and keep all their Pokemon, this is a good thing. But because of where we are right now at the launch of this, it kind of causes a lot of weird issues. Um, which hopefully will be smoothed out over the lifetime of this. Is it worth the uh, 16 bucks a year? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm using it right now uh, with some frequency. Um, I've got I've moved all my Pokemon off of my 3DS. I've got lots of space to to store them. All the ones that can make it into Sword and Shield have been moved onto Sword and Shield, and I I can like look at them and camp out with them and throw a ball and you know. <laughs> Freaking Lunala, who's like a cosmic bat goddess monster, like can like play fetch with me. So you know, there's that. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm having a good time with it. I'll I'll let you. I guess I can let you know next year around this time if I'm going to spend 16 more bucks <laughs> to continue this service. But where I am right now, I think it's worth it. Considering that the oldest doesn't play Pokemon Go and he's playing uh, whatever the new uh, the new version is, Sword and Shield or whatever it is. Yep. He's playing that. The youngest only plays Pokemon Go and he's not interested in doing anything on 3DS and he's expressed very little interest in Sword and Shield or even uh, Pikachu and Eevee. Um, I don't think oh. this is a service that's going to hit that's going to hit yeah. us. Uh, you so if 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 near the twain shall meet or whatever then you do not need this service yeah the moment that they start getting interested in something else you probably can start considering it um and uh and certainly when the next generation rolls around mm-hmm. um chances are if you're it's your oldest that's into sword and shield right yes he is yes if he if he wants to play the new one and basically move all of his super cool pokemon forward mm-hmm um, then he's going to want to get Pokemon home. But obviously that, uh, that event is years down the line. Or I could just say nothing and not have to ever worry about it. And when he sure. says, man, I sure wish there was a way I could move my sword and shield, uh, Pokemon to the new space cadet, uh, Pokemon, I'm going to say, nah, I guess that's what happens. You, that's how they get you. You won't be able to help yourself. You'll be steepling your fingers like <laughs> Mr. Burns and going, yes, if only there were. <laughs> <laughs> And then I will laugh anyway, maniacally. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give this four slices of meatloaf, uh, but mostly this review has been a PSA for those of you who have been you or, or trying to figure out what the heck Pokemon Home is. There you go. Thank you for that. One eight hundred radar. <laughs> Thank you for that, Rodrigo. Uh, out sure. this week from Dark Horse Comics, it's Bang Number One from Matt Matt Kent and Wilfredo Torres. This is a weird story. Let me just say this: Imagine James Bond, but okay, right. But it meeting Stranger Than Fiction, Inception, and quite possibly The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, if that makes any sense for you. You guys uh, know the Will Ferrell Stranger Than Fiction story? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's like a James Bond that hears the narrator? Not quite hears the narrator, but 
Uh, the story starts out very much like a James Bond story would be with our white protagonist uh, going and blowing stuff up and rescuing everything and saving the the girl and making sweet love to her only to find out that uh, she's the enemy and he gets shot in the head. And uh, he's introduced as I forget what his name is, like Trevor, Trevor Cobb or something like that. I forget what his name is. Cobb, Trevor Cobb. That's uh, and then the very next page, suddenly here's our protagonist, Trevor Cobb, double O, you know, working for MIX. And uh, he's Trevor Cobb and he has these memories of being this other James Bond and having all these other James Bond or Trevor Cobb adventures. And how can this be until his investigations lead him to this mysterious author who knows everything about him and who appears to be actually writing his story for him uh-huh. as it's happening? And also, oh, by the way, there's some other people that you need to meet, which we're not meeting in this issue. But one of them looks like Die Hard. One of them looks like Ms. Marple. One of them looks like, you know, some other, you know, adventure type. And it's really kind of interesting. Um, it makes you at first when it was going on, it's like, oh, OK, this is how they're explaining you know, 007 is just a, 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 a you know, a, a number that as soon as somebody dies, someone else takes its place. It's a great way to kind of explain that or it's poking fun at the fact that there have been so many uh, actors over the years who have played uh, James Bond. No, this is seems to be more along the lines of Stranger Than Fiction meets uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And sure, I sure. think that is where Bang is going. It's very, very interesting. The art is simple yet good. Uh, it's not like you're getting super highly detailed drawings with Matthew's favorite uh, uh, cross hatching that he hates and the scratchy bits that he hates. Um, I love the scratch. But if you're familiar with Matt Kent's storytelling, I think you're probably going to enjoy this. I, uh, personally, I did not get enough in this first issue to really get a feel for what's going on. I mean, if we had been interested, if we'd been introduced to uh, the, the diehard character and some of these other characters, then yes, I probably would have been, okay, now I'm on board. Uh, this is still a very solid story. It's well-written. Like I said, uh, the Wilfredo uh, Torres art is really good. I think that there's something here, and I think that readers might want to jump on this right now whether that, rather than wait for the trade. Um, I'm going to give bang number one just because of the how I didn't feel like I got enough in this first issue. I'm giving it three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. It is out this week from Dark Horse uh, Comics. Very fascinating. If you know your James Bond, if you know your super spy thriller type stuff, this will be super, super familiar to you. So it's not like there's going to be a lot of explaining to do. I just wanted a little bit more. So three and a half slices of meatloaf for me for bang number one. Matthew, you're wrapping up our reviews this week with another comic that is out this week, this time from one Marvel Comics. Yeah, Marvel Comics Runaways, number 30, written by Rainbow Roll and drawn by Andres Genolet. Uh, my French pronunciation is terrible, so forgive me for that. Uh, but this is the thing that I've always enjoyed about the Runaways is they're kind of, they're definitely in the Marvel Universe, but they're very much tangential to all the superhero nonsense and antics. So it's more of a, uh, here's what happens in the fringes of the Marvel Universe. Sure. Um, they're now actually an official super team. They are the Justice Brigade or something. And they're working with a big-time West Coast superhero named Captain Justice. And there's two things you need to know about Captain Justice. One, his life has been marred by tragedy. And much like a a certain man with a theme of bats, he has a lot of dead sidekicks. And, of course, having a full team of sidekicks now with him, he's running off to find a new Justice fight and blah, blah, blah. And we've got these superpowers and... Carolina is now Justice Angel, and 
Uh, Chase has something weird, and his name is Gun Hand. No, oh, no, Everybody not Gun has, Hand. You know, you know, Gun Hand. What yeah. about Mistletoe? No, but Bumpstock was in there. But nonetheless, while all of this is going on, Doc Justice is being a real jerk to Gert, the one runaway who doesn't have overt superpowers. And he's made her stay home and be the intern, which is fine because she's broken into the computer and found the risk analysis files for previous members of the Justice team and the deaths of Princess Justice 1 through 4 and the death of Kid Justice and Blue Justice and the death of all of the previous sidekicks. And then suddenly she comes upon a new file. And it's not a good file. I don't necessarily want to spoil it, but I think you know where this is going. Does she cry for justice? She does not cry for justice because that's stupid. And uh, that never happened. I have excised <laughs> that series. Uh, the universe was reset twice since then, so it never happened. Uh, but it, it does have the wonderful, I think perhaps the the quintessential forward-thinking moment of Gert leaping onto a motorcycle and her pet... Uh, Dinosaur old lace leaping into the sidecar <laughs> and rushing off with a cry of, he won't get away with this. It's a beautiful moment, and it's worth the price of admission just to see Gert and a dinosaur rushing off in a sidecar motorcycle. Um, I have been kind of popping in and out of this Runaways um, series since it started, and there's been a lot of weird stuff, but it really has done shocking reveals in a way that runaways hasn't been successfully doing since the original run you know back in the brian k vaughn days there were shocking reveals every five or ten issues and this series has done it they have managed to maintain that and have it still be modern perhaps even postmodern. but the end of this issue is a big cliffhanger about Doc Justice and whether or not the thing that he expects to happen and is possibly planning to happen and maybe even manipulating to make sure happens, happens. Uh, I kind of hope it doesn't because it's my favorite runaway. But it's interesting. It's a new art, uh, new artist, Andreas Genolet. And I really like it, but it's also occasionally one of those things where you have to get used to a new artist so you're not sure who everyone is just yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not necessarily difficult, usually with runaways, because they're, you know, they're a a diverse team of teenagers, and they have different body shapes and different styles and different haircuts, but they're all wearing tights and masks, and at least a couple of helmets. So aside from Chase, who's obviously the big guy with the gun hand, sometimes you're like, okay, wait, uh, uh, okay, yeah, that's Molly. Molly's now like 16, so it's hard to tell her from the other young ladies, and it's just, it's definitely a whole thing, but... I enjoyed it, and I think I do want to go back and pick up the first couple of issues of this arc. I don't know if I'm going to go all the way back and fill in everything that I've missed, but I might. It depends. Three slices of meatloaf for Runaways number 30, a very solid issue, and one that I'm like, ooh, I want to know how this all ends. Very cool. I'm hoping that Gert saves the day. Now, the series isn't getting ready to end or anything, is it? Because you never know with Marvel Comics when they're just going to cancel something. Okay, all right. Uh, I actually, I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw this and picked it up, I'm like, didn't they cancel Runaways? And the answer that's what is I, no. That's what I thought they, they did didn't. around uh, issue 12 or something. I, that's okay. That's fine. I remember doing like issue 13 and 14. Um, I know that Mandela they blew up. There. Yeah, they blew up the relationship between um, Space uh, Princess uh, and Carolina. Uh, yeah. Between Carolina and uh, the girl from Power Pack, uh, who both have the powers to fly with rainbows. 
but that relationship ended very, very badly. And there may have been some magical cupcakes involved. That's not a euphemism. Literal magical cupcakes. So, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're just like, it's a Runaways book. Just kind of roll with the punches or fall behind, kids. I'm, I'm going to make a statement, and I think that uh, all publishers should do this. Um, with the exception of like, uh, Batman, Superman, uh, you know, a Batman title, a Superman title, a justice league title, a, uh, Avengers title, all series should now be mini series, uh, six to 12 issues. And then that's it. And then give me a new story arc reboot, which is kind of what they're doing, but they're kind of not doing that. But I say boom studios has really done this really well by giving us mini series that can become additional mini series or ongoings. Uh, but I think all series now should be all just mini series only. Um, no, yeah. wrong. Yeah, Bad. no, well, we can debate this nope. another time, but can you believe tomorrow it's going to snow again? Not for uh, it is going to snow again. I don't mind the moisture, but I don't like the cold and I don't like the snow, which means tomorrow if I have to get up and I have to shovel the sidewalk or I have to go uh, get ice off my windows, I want my hands to be nice and toasty warm, which is why I want to get me a pair of gloves from isotoner.com or totes.com. Uh, they've got a lot of great things to keep your hands and your feet and your toes stylish during the cold months, and they probably even have some stuff there for when it gets a little warmer as well. But here's the best thing. Yes, they do keep your hands, feet, and other body parts warm, but the best thing is you can get 25% off when you use the checkout code MAJOR at isotoner.com or totes.com. They're uh, helping to sponsor and keep this show free to you. So, uh, you know, get yourself some stylish uh, warmware by going to isotoner.com or totes.com and use the checkout code MAJOR, and thank you, both of them for helping to keep this show free. All right, let us talk. I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about some Valiant stuff. There's a new Bloodshot movie that is about to hit theaters with one Vin Diesel, and I think he has more than a few uh, words that say, uh, uh, I am Superman or I am Groot. I am Bloodshot. I am Bloodshot is what he's going to say. But this week, we're taking a look at Bloodshot Reborn, Volume 1, Colorado, from Jeff Lemire and uh, Miko Cyan. Is Cyan? Um... I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Here's the thing. Uh, this is definitely, you kind of need to know a little bit about Bloodshot going into this. Yeah. But the first, what, five pages of this gives you a lot of the background on the character. Yeah, which, really does. if you watch the trailer for the Bloodshot movie, the first five pages are essentially the trailer of the movie. <laughs> and is setting That's you smart. up for, for knowing what, the, what this show is about. Now, uh, the Bloodshot movie, I do not believe is how Bloodshot got his powers back, but rather uh, right. the, the story be the before. Sequel. Yeah, when right. Bloodshot uh, realizes that he is, a, he is a tool for the government and he's going to uh, go back and kick ass. So, Bloodshot reborn, the nanos, the nanites are out of his system, but they're calling him, Matthew. They're calling him out there every day, in. like a drug. They want him back. <laughs> they want him back really bad, so much so that they're really ready to infect other people and have them do horrible things so that Bloodshot... Or, or Joe Friday or whatever his name is in this series. <laughs> Ray Garrison. Ray Garrison will go and track them down and suck those nanites back into his body. Yeah. it. I have to admit, I, I was more familiar with the original Bloodshot. Me too. And I, I got to tell you, the 90s Bloodshot had one major problem. His name was Angelo Mortali. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. a fake, uh, a, a fake Italian surname, which is a play on uh, Mortal Angel or Beth. Immortal. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, eh, you know, if it weren't for that name, I think I probably would have been better with the original Bloodshot. So I had not read any of Ray's adventures, and I kind of wish I had now, because this is clearly, this is the second 
arc or volume, or this is the second take on Bloodshot in the revolved, uh, the revived third tier Valiant universe. And I, uh, I really kind of found this to be fascinating. I mean, and in some ways it is very much a basic, your, your super powered tokens are in seven places and you have to make this journey to those seven places, or in this case, those seven people that you have to kill to get the seven hunks of your blood back. But I, I really kind of enjoyed this and there are bits of it that when it first starts and he's sitting here like, okay, this is a perfectly normal guy. And then a bloodshot shows up on the news, having murdered seven people. And you're like, oh no, he thought he was out and they're going to pull him back in. Even those moments where you're like, this feels very familiar drag you right into the story. It's neat. Yeah, it really was. I, I, you know, and really you, I say you kind of need to know a little bit about Bloodshot before you go into this because, yeah. uh, you know, previous volumes talk about his dead girlfriend and him uh, taking down the uh, the Project Rising Spirit to get the nanites out of his body. But you kind of don't, right? Because once the story gets started, once you get past the introduction, it just kind of flows. And I yeah. really appreciated that as well. And I was very much getting into this, especially as, as a bloodshot starts to go maybe a little bit more and more insane. I mean, he starts seeing his dead uh, girlfriend uh, uh, show up and he's in love with her and he's, and he's like, no, this can't be true. This is the nanites talking to me. And she's like, or maybe you're just crazy or maybe it is all true. And then of course you've got uh, uh, blood squirt, blood squirt, blood squirt show up, (laughs) which I'm not sure. Rodrigo, what did you think of blood squirt? I I do like blood squirt. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, if you're going to have a uh, first off, I think it's great that Bloodshot presumably would have like an angel and a devil on each shoulder, but actually uh-huh. just has two devils. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of them is a cartoon version of his like original, you know, white skin, red eye look uh, called Blood Squirt, who does a lot of like kind of uh, sidekick jokes mm-hmm. um, like uh yeah, calling him chum and and stuff like that, and, and hey, pretending, buddy. Yeah, yeah, pretending that that they've been that he's been his sidekick all along, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I I liked it honestly. This this book has a lot of personality, which often leaves me uh, wanting for the main character to have a personality, and that's that's kind of where like that's that's where like I think like blood squirt and uh what's the girlfriend's name uh k k right so blood squirt and k are good they're interesting sort of like fractured psyche or voice of the nanites or whatever we haven't figured out what they are yet uh Mm -hmm. in this volume and and i don't know maybe you need a, a protagonist who's kind of uh who's kind of going to play straight man to those characters but very often i felt like if this was happening to i mean and and actually very similar things uh for example the new 52 happened to animal man right like i felt like i knew buddy's personality immediately you know Mm -hmm. as that stuff was as all that weird blood stuff was happening to him you know, it's like you think about, you know, what if something like this happened to Batman? What if something like this happened to Superman? It's like right. those two would yield very different results. Um, and so this is kind <clears> of like 
what if this was happening to Frank Castle? Well, okay. And Frank Castle was like yep. too tired to like muster the energy to be Frank Castle. You hit yep. the nail right on the head with this because as I'm reading this, I'm like, so Frank Castle, but with insane superpowers or Frank Castle more insane than he is. This just really felt like I was reading a Punisher story where Punisher is about to turn into Frankenstein or Punisher is about ready to go into space or whatever. Uh, right. That was that was my that was my biggest. I don't want to say complaint, but that is the the thing that felt really off in this book was that I felt like I was reading a Punisher story, and to some degree, that's kind of taking the character back to his roots. Because in a lot of ways, that original you know the what they call the VH1, the Valiant Heroes first version, is very much just Punisher with the you know super cool '90s nanites in his blood and. I actually appreciate that. I feel like that's the part of this that kind of works for me because Punisher is basically just Mark Bolan, the executioner mm-hmm. or, you know, the Charles Bronson in death wish or Charles sure, Bronson sure. in everything, you know, it's an, it's an archetypical take, but by taking this character and adding, you know, the weird thing of the nanites, maybe messing with his head, not wanting to be on this mission, but literally being driven to be on the mission and being called by the machines in his blood and possibly having, you know, the dead girlfriend thing is very much a big cliche trope, but I feel like the way it's played here feels different. It feels somehow fresher, especially the part where she starts urging him to kill. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and blood, you know, blood squirt is like, yep, Time to kill. And yeah. I'm just like, okay, that that's interesting to me. I really yeah. enjoyed that part. Yeah. Of it. And, I, and that's 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 really where I feel a lot of the like dynamic moments in this book are is that these two voices in his head are bad, but they're distinct. They're they have different mm-hmm. they have different like goals. Mm-hmm. And you can like there's a moment when like Bloodsquirt is like, hey, don't tell Kay that I told you this, but you yeah. know, and it's like it's it's like that's interesting. It's interesting to, that there's like these two forces within him, and they are they don't agree. They don't have a common purpose other than sort of like finish finish the the main story mission. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had said something about what if Batman was like this? I think that if again going back to another thing, Bloodsport is is Batmite. Um, yeah. But in the Grant Morrison run, where Batman is the crazy Batman of Zur and R. And Batmite is uh, his medication wearing off or whatever that 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 part of that story was. So that's what the that hip, felt like. Some is, sort of hypnotic weapony thing. Or yeah, that that's kind of what uh, this also felt like. So, you know, uh, the Punisher and Batman and Bloodshot, I I did. I really kind of enjoyed this as well. This is a fairly fast read. I think yeah. I read it in about an hour uh, going through this. And this is uh, my comicsology version of this. Um, so... This is not a this is not something that's going to require a lot of time for you to get into. My biggest disappointment was, oh, this is only volume one of right. what probably two or three volumes. So we're not getting the full return of bloodshot in this trade because by the end of the book, I think he's only killed two or three of the uh, seven people three. that he needs to get in order yeah, to get his but- powers back. This volume of Bloodshot runs 18 issues, and I think this is okay. just the first five or six. Yeah, so there's you know probably two more volumes after this to get through to get the to get the full story. But that being said, I felt satisfied afterwards. I did not feel let down. I didn't feel like I'd wasted my time. 
Uh, I didn't feel like this was a, a rehash of a million other stories we've read, even though it was kind of treading into that territory. It did make it feel familiar, but I didn't feel like, oh, this is just a copy and paste from every, you know, hero lost his power, must get back his power uh, type stories that are out there. So from that standpoint, I kind of liked it. I agree. And I feel like the, for me, the biggest flaw is the huge art shift from issue four to issue five. Yeah. And the fact that I actually enjoy the art in issue five more than I enjoyed the art in the first four issues. But yeah, again, we come to a point and we see this a lot in the older trades. We are not seeing this as much in modern trades where the collection, the way these things are curated actually works against the story. Had this been, you know, another issue longer or maybe an issue shorter, I feel like maybe it would have been more satisfying. But I like what we get here. It just feels like here's five chapters of, you know, an ongoing story and an arbitrary breakpoint. And I don't know if that's necessarily a flaw of the modern publishing industry where here's the number of pages you have to have or the number Mm -hmm. of issues you have to have when you're writing for the trade. But I don't know. What what didn't you like about the the first part of the art? Well, I mean, what was what, what for you kind of set the two art styles up apart for you? Well, it's not that I didn't like it, but I felt like if you look at the beginning of issue five, it's much moodier. It has a different kind of contrasty feel to it. The shadows feel much more vibrant, and in some ways, it's a less cartoony but somehow more unrealistic take on blood squirt yeah and i feel like that actually works better for me because you look at this you know it's this weird almost jg jones take on the thing where he might actually be a real person or he might be based on some sort of real person and for some reason that makes him more disturbing to me Mm. plus i feel like just the overall take on it neither artist is bad I'm not saying that one is terrible, but I definitely like, uh, and now I don't know who did what, <laughs> uh, Raul Allen did issue five okay, and, uh, Miko Soyan did the first four issues. So it's not that Soyan did bad stuff. I feel like, uh, especially things like Kay's facial expressions mm-hmm. and the horrifying reveal when Ray realizes, Oh my God, somebody just used my powers to murder a bunch of people. Yeah. Kids. That, yeah. That panel is just incredible. I, and <laughs> go ahead. As you, as you go through it, you definitely feel everything that he is feeling and you can see all the characters acting. I just, you know, personally kind of like the second art style better. Well, I guess the thing when you're talking about how everyone is a distinct character and what is real and what isn't real at one point, uh, Bloodshot goes to a gun shop to buy a bunch of guns to go and kill this imposter uh, Bloodshot guy. Mm-hmm. And Bloodsquirt's like, and don't forget to buy some fireworks. <laughs> and and Bloodshot's like, no, we're not going to do that. And then as he's leaving the gun shop, you see Bloodsquirt carrying a big old box of fireworks. And you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, imaginary character. He imaginarily did that. But then later... When the police find Bloodshot's truck out in the woods after he's killed the first uh, the first guy, yep. there's a box of fireworks on top of that truck. Yep. And they <laughs> interact with them, too. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is interesting. This is really interesting. And I think that is the moment even though, and that's like issue three, probably when that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah the end of issue two. And it's like, uh, wait, what? Yeah. And I'm just like, OK, this is this is funny. Um, 
yeah, this is, I mean, this is good. It's disturbing on so many levels. And Jeff Lemire has done, understands yes. disturbing. He understands characters that don't fit in and who don't belong. And, and an, an unreliable narrative because the main character's perspective that we're seeing through isn't quite all there. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, people may know a lot of his stuff because he did Sweet Tooth over at Vertigo. Uh, he, he did, did that Animal Man run that Rodrigo He did that loves. Animal Man run that Rodrigo uh, really likes. He also has done, oh man, he's done so much stuff. His his list is long. He did Old Man Logan Volume 2. He did all 24 issues there. He's done Moon Knight uh, Volume 8, 1 through 14 there. So he understands characters that aren't necessarily in the right place or the right mind. And I think that's what makes this an interesting book as opposed to mob killed my family. I must kill everyone or uh, <laughs> mob killed my family. I must don the, the, the bat and go in and hunt crime. Um, it's very different from that. And I think that that is somewhat refreshing as well. The motivation is completely different. This is not a motivation that I've seen in a lot of places. And in a lot of ways, this is a whole story driven by, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't want to do this. I don't want mm -hmm. these powers. I don't mm -hmm. want anything. But I also don't want other people getting killed by this responsibility that should be mine. Yeah. So it's kind of an, a, a very adult motivation for a big, dumb, shoot 'em up action hero. And yeah. I, I really kind of like that. I'm hoping that the Vin Diesel movie actually does something like this. Have you seen the trailer, Rodrigo, for the, the Bloodshot movie? Yes. I am bloodshot. Now, now that you've read this bloodshot comic, does it make you want to go see the movie more or less, or did you not have any interest at all? Uh, I mean, I was interested in it because um, I bloodshot is not a Marvel or DC property, right? So mm -hmm. anytime those get adapted, the, I have a huge curiosity, often morbid, to see how they get adapted because. Um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you think about Spawn, you think about, um, well, uh, the, the handful that have been adapted right, from right. non-Marvel and DC comics. And it's like, uh, because so many of them come from this very specific time in which we very much don't live anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to see what they do with the character because ultimately what they do with his actual powers and, and blood and look and whatever doesn't matter to me as much as like how much of this is going to be like, I am an assassin for hire. Uh, nobody can stop me. I am the best I does at what I did. Yeah. Well, I think there's going to be certainly an aspect of that. But, you know, the moment in the trailer where Vin Diesel's face gets shot off. Uh, this is the Red Band trailer, by the way, for people who haven't seen right. that. And then all of a sudden his face rebuilds itself. I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy and cool. But then as you're reading through the volume, there's actually a scene where he gets shot in the back of the head and all the nanites pull back, pull his face back together. So I think that yep. they're really trying to draw from a lot of the recent material uh, in Bloodshot to form this movie. So personally me, I'm a little bit more interested in seeing the movie than I was before. Matthew, have you seen the, have you seen the trailer? I've seen it. I don't necessarily think that I studied on it and I didn't want to see bloodshot and I still don't, but I hope that if I ever do run into bloodshot, that it's more like this. I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to see bloodshot, but there may be a point where I'm in a theater or more likely sitting on my couch in six months mm -hmm. and it'll pop up and I'll be like, eh, I could watch that. I remember that Lemire volume was pretty good. Yeah. So what didn't you like about this, this volume? 
I think the biggest strength is also its weakness, and that is the ambiguity about what is and isn't real. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this story, and again, this one does cut off in a really, really awkward place, but you've got this story where we as readers are seeing everything through Angelo Mortali, <laughs> but through Ray's eyes, and we're looking at, you know, even his delusions, even his strange stuff, that's what we're getting. And, you know, as you guys mentioned with uh, the firecracker scene, there are subtle moments in here that make it clear that his perception is not what's actually happening. And so I'm kind of hoping that, you know, down the, there may be a big, what a twist coming for us. But I feel like that ambiguity also, partially because of the way the issues are collected, works against the reader in some ways trying to get into the story because you don't know what's happening. When we first see Kay, he's like, you can't be real. You're dead. And she's like, does this feel real? And she kind of climbs up on him and it's, you know, very sexy, sexy for a minute. Yeah. And then I'm like, but does it? Cause we don't know if it feels real or not. And so, you know, the questions of what is and isn't real can be problematic. I feel like they pull it off relatively well, but there are still points in the story where I'm just like, man, I, I wish I had a little bit more meat to kind of go on here. Yeah, I wish I had a little bit more familiarity with the characters because, and I don't know if she's from other volumes of Bloodshot or not, but the super smart yes. uh, FBI girl, I knew nothing about her, so I didn't really have a frame of reference for what was going on say, there. One thing that I really wanted out of this volume was a like a the fugitive yes volume where yes. we're just following the FBI yes. and and where we can figure out if she's like if this is just how they're representing the fact that she's like a super Sherlock Holmes detective or that she right. gets like whether she actually gets like psychic impressions off of things mm-hmm. or like, if she's a force nice. member or something yeah 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 uh, whatever whatever it is that she's actually got going on we don't know much about her and mm-hmm. i was actually really hoping that we would get one volume where either you know that thing where it's like we see the same um the same stuff happen from two different points of view so one one issue would be what bloodshot is doing and one issue would be what they're doing over the same period of time or just straight up one issue where uh we're just following them we don't know what bloodshot is doing and we just see him pop up here and there yeah right. the other thing that i'm i'm a little Concerned about or in something that was just kind of left hanging in this volume that I don't know if it's cleared up later on is Chekhov's child, the creepy motel right. kid where it's like, OK, here's creepy motel kid. That's obviously a sociopath. That's obviously, you know, probably uh, gutting cats in the alley in his spare time. Um, that thing was just kind of left resolved. Right. It's just this character that you get introduced is really creepy and really weird. And then at least in this volume, nothing happens to that. There's nothing resolved with that weird storyline and i just felt like they shoved this kid in our face and then nothing was done with him and and so i was a little disappointed in that as well but maybe it's paid off later i mean i don't want to see bloodshot come back and kill this kid obviously you don't want to see that kid go off on a killing spree no 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 but i don't know i it just felt odd that it was like okay we've got multiple scenes featuring this kid and nothing happened so i don't know maybe he has to decide to save him or not the FBI agent's name is Diane Festival. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's a weird name. I had to it read is. it a couple of times to make sure that I was reading it correctly. I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm the same way. Name is yeah. really Festival. Yeah. So, agent so Festival. So bottom line, Matthew, what's your, what are your bottom line final thoughts on 
Bloodshot Volume 1, I'm sorry, Bloodshot Reborn Volume 1, quote, Colorado. <laughs> or colon, sorry. That's colon, colon, colon Colorado. 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 You know, <laughs> I think we've all been to Colon, Colorado. That's where we had those, uh, <laughs> those uh, Mexi fries, Rodrigo. Yeah. Uh, why? Why? Here's the thing. I am not generally a uh, an aficionado, if you will, of the shooty shooty killy killies and the dark vigilantes of night. But if you're gonna do it, you need to do something interesting and unique and entertaining with it. And this volume pulls that off. Even for any flaws that you might have, I feel like this volume works more often than it doesn't. And I do, even if it comes down to, I'm going to go and have fights with four more guys and chop their heads off. I do want to see how this resolves because we've built up, you know, each time he gets more nanites, he loses a little more of himself. And mm-hmm. is this person real? Is this person not real? What's the deal with the little, uh, possibly drug addicted girl that he's now hanging around with all of these oh, yeah, things. I forgot about her. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of unresolved things that I really want to know about. And I feel like, you know. More often than not, better than average, this is a book that I would recommend to people simply because it gets you involved even when sometimes it's working against itself. Yep. So, Rod- Rodrigo, final thoughts from you? Uh, this, I, I feel like this book, uh, at least story-wise, is worthwhile just from this idea that it's like uh, Belle tells the Beast that she's in love with him and the Beast turns back into a guy. And then all of a sudden, something terrible happens and they look at each other and it's like, oh, stopping you from being a beast turns out to have been a bad idea. Now we have to go fight more beasts. You know, it's like just that idea that like the cursed loner character now has to go back, get get his curse back because he's the only one who can handle it is actually an interesting enough premise to propel this book. I like the art. Um, it's kind of weirdly off-putting at times, but I think purposefully so. Uh, so I would say if you're interested in Bloodshot, I would say pick this up. The, like this, you might be better off picking this up and then seeing if you like what's happening and then going back than you would be, you know, picking up earlier appearances of the character mm-hmm. where it might just be like very straightforward or like I'm I'm part of whatever uh, crossover thing Valiant is doing today. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I enjoyed this too. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I honestly, I went into this thinking I'm going to despise this um, just because of the nature of a assassin, you know, assassination guy that goes out and He's just a, kills a everybody. He's a 90s character with blood in his yeah, name. You, yeah, yeah. you expect the worst. Yeah, and that's what I expected. And I got something that I was pleasantly surprised with. And so I agree. Uh, go check it out. Uh, definitely, there are places where you can get it relatively inexpensive. In fact, there is a link to our Amazon page where you can pick this up at no extra cost. But Jeff Bezos has to give us some money when you make a purchase through that Amazon link at Majorspoilers.com. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a bonus right there. Uh, so, yeah, I would say, you know, go check, go check it out. It's uh, it's it, I was surprised. And I think that yeah. that is probably the best thing that I can say about this volume is it is a surprise. And I think that that's where we're going to wrap it up with this issue of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we love to hear your feedback, so use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to the episode, or send us an email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. We will be back next week with another installment of the Major Spoilers podcast, where we're going to be looking at Motor Crush Volume 1. Why? 
because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your things and you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' podcast is copyright 2020 by major spoilers entertainment llc